0: Before we start, go to sashimi.cloud, sign up, and receive transcripts of interviews, announcements of future guests, and other relevant news. And now we start. Welcome back to Sashimi. For episode 9, I interviewed Mark Znutas, Vice President of Go-To-Market Strategy and Operations at HubSpot. We discussed HubSpot's RevOps and how it aligns sales, marketing, and customer success. We also covered HubSpot's Go-To-Market Strategy, which has changed drastically over the years. While many SaaS companies start with product-led growth before adding an inside sales team, HubSpot did it in reverse, which is truly unique. Mark also shared other interesting facts about the company that many SaaS operators would find tremendously useful. Enjoy. Mark, thank you very much for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. You're you're Vice President of Go-to-Market Strategy and Operations at HubSpot. And obviously, we're going to be talking about both things, revenue operations and go to market strategy. But before we start, can you please say a few words about yourself and a HubSpot for people who don't know the, the company, if there are any in this universe? <laughs> sure. So I'll start with
1: HubSpot. So HubSpot's a customer relationship management platform for scaling companies. And we provide front office software for growing businesses that helps them operate online. So we have sales, marketing, service, and CMS product. And we just launched an operations product, which is great. Our software is designed to be really easy to use, but it also provides some advanced features for customers. So we we serve customers both big and small. As for me, I've been at HubSpot for almost seven years now. I've spent most of my time in strategy and operations currently in a role as VP of go-to-market strategy. And my team's responsible for developing and executing HubSpot's long-term strategy across the marketing, sales, customer success teams, and also partnering with our product team.
0: So this is so-called revenue operations. That's what you are in charge of. Yep.
1: My team rolls up through our revenue operations group.
0: Let's talk about revenue operations because some people confuse it with sales operations. And it seems like people would define it differently. What's your definition of revenue operations?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, revenue operations is an org design. It's picking up a a lot of traction in, in the industry. Traditionally, ops groups have been aligned to functions. So you'd have your marketing ops team, your sales ops team, customer success ops teams servicing their particular function. The problem with that design is that no one really has a full view of the customer experience And there's little visibility across teams. So RevOps is an org structure designed to solve for those silos and inefficiency and kind of really pull teams together to think about the customer experience more holistically than in the past. So revenue operations is almost a broader umbrella than your traditional sales operations groups would be. So it's really about solving for customers and solving for overall revenue growth. We know that kind of different parts of the company need to be working together, not working in silos.
0: Is it something that you just recently came up with, or it's something that a HubSpot had from the first day? It is recent. So HubSpot started, I can go
1: way back. So I started in sales operations, actually, in 2014. HubSpot didn't have revenue operations at that point. We were aligned by function. So we had sales ops, marketing ops, customer success ops. And the business just really changed over the course of the last five years or so. And all of these functions just came so much more intertwined with one another. We saw that marketing wasn't just responsible for generating demand for our product and new business. They're also responsible for engaging with our customers. And sales was selling not only to new prospects, but also to existing customers. And our customer success team was responsible not only for retention, but also for engaging with customers pre-sale so it all started to kind of blend together and we realized that if we wanted to make progress and really solve for our customers we couldn't set our teams up just in a function that just inherently didn't see kind of that full picture so we moved to revenue operations um, at the beginning of 2021 so it's actually a very new concept to HubSpot and really new to the industry too
0: what was the steps uh somebody just announced that hey you three departments are going to be working together figure out? Is it the typical scenario?
1: It happened more organically than that, actually. In this role where I was thinking about how marketing sales and customer success fit together, I was doing that as one person. And then we realized like, hey, there's some value in actually thinking across these teams and understanding, you know, if we make a change in incentive to our customer success team, that might have ripple effects to the way you know, sales interacts with customers and just having someone who can kind of see that full picture added value. So it happened more organically. I, I was in this role um, working for Brian Halligan, our CEO, when he was the interim chief customer officer at HubSpot. And we found that there was a lot of value in kind of connecting those dots across teams. So I was in that role as just, you know, one person I type role. And then we realized we should probably move our org in this direction and balance the needs of functional teams and the operations teams that support them with more of that kind of full view of the customer experience and full view of the business. So it took a a little while for us to get there. We're still in the middle of the transition. We're trying to figure out what should sit within functional teams and what should be more centralized. It's this constant push and pull. You certainly get benefits of centralizing more in terms of efficiency and understanding that full end-to-end customer experience, but you, there also are some downsides in that you lose some of the subject matter expertise that you would get if you were aligned to sales, marketing, or customer success. So we're, we're trying to strike the right balance there.
0: My guess is there is a lot of legacy siloed processes that came from uh, old way of running those departments. How did you guys change it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, it definitely took some unwinding. And I would say we're still on that journey of operating more as one cohesive unit rather than teams that support just functions. So we're, we're still on that journey. We are certainly not 100% of the way there. And the technology that we use is actually a really good example of where you can get leverage by creating a revenue operations team. And one example that I have is with our sales and customer success teams. They both need to manage a pipeline. Sales needs to manage their deal pipeline customer success needs to manage their customer pipeline. We thought about building that technology in HubSpot completely differently in the past because we're approaching it through that functional lens. And now we're, we're thinking about how do we build the right platform so that sales can manage their deal pipeline, customer success can manage their customer pipeline. And it's effectively the same thing. It's somewhat different ingredients to manage a a very similar process. So that's where we're seeing a lot of benefits of moving to the RevOps model. We can start to identify where there are commonalities across marketing, sales, customer success, and build solutions. In this case, it's a technology solution to support both use cases. And we're not starting from scratch and doing 2x the work. We're actually solving those problems in tandem. Can you provide some examples of the online tools that you use? Yeah. So our business runs on HubSpot. The One of the beauties of our business is that we are building product for our customers that we use ourselves. Um, so HubSpot has been historically focused on small and medium businesses and, and really working to build a great experience for scaling companies. The beauty of the way that HubSpot works right now is our product team is trying to build features for customers that we need internally already. We're 5,500 employees globally now, so we're bigger than our target customer. So we can kind of beat up the features within our RevOps team that our product team is going to sell to our end customers um, so we're we're a great guinea pig um, to, to build those new features. We run predominantly on HubSpot. That's our core CRM. We use it for marketing automation. We do plug into other tools that are tangential to our space. So we have a tool exactly to manage commissions. We buy a lot of software, but the core of the business runs on HubSpot.
0: Got it. So let's talk a little bit about our go-to-market strategy because I hear this term a lot, but how do you define it?
1: So I I can take a a page out of Brian Halligan's book, our CEO, and he often talks about how we need to build a great product for our customers, but that's not the only product that we're building. We also want to build a great experience of engaging with HubSpot from the moment you come to our website to the moment you renew or you churn on HubSpot. We want to make that great too. So it's not just about the product that you're selling physically, but it's about the way that you market, sell, and service that product. So that at its core is really what I think about when I think about go-to-market strategy. It's how do we make sure we are targeting the right set of customers and we're building an amazing experience for those customers. We think it's a real competitive advantage. It's not just about the product that you're building, but the way that you're kind of interacting with those customers too.
0: And I believe back in the day, unlike some recent uh, startups, HubSpot started with um, outside sales rep reaching out to companies and then somehow... You guys decided to build product led growth strategy. Is this fair to say? It is. We actually started with an inside sales model,
1: which is, you know, folks selling over the phone or over Zoom. That was kind of our core DNA when we started the company and when the company was a marketing app. Over time, we started to realize that people wanted to buy differently. They didn't always want to engage with. Humans, whether it was on the new customer acquisition side or on the success side, they wanted self help. They wanted to learn at their own pace. They wanted to get into a product, try it before they buy it. So we moved down the path of building a freemium business where you can try HubSpot for free. You can get relatively basic features. And if you're really successful, happy with those features, you can pull up into our premium products. And that's pretty rare. The way this typically works with go-to-market teams is software companies build self-serve software, they mostly have engineers and then they say we need to increase our average sales price so we're going to hire some inside sales reps to sell that product. HubSpot actually went the opposite direction. We had a relatively high human effort sale service motion, relatively high average sales price and we moved in the opposite direction. We said people actually don't always want to buy through a human They want to try before they buy. They want to do that on their own time. They want to figure out what the look and feel of the product is. So we moved kind of from that inside sales go-to-market model to a hybrid product-led and inside sales go-to-market model.
0: I looked through some of your speeches and in a few places you talk about a segmentation strategy, international strategy, uh, voice of customer and other stuff. Can you elaborate on each of them and what challenges people face when determining these strategies?
1: Absolutely. So we think about our long-term strategy from a go-to-market perspective through a three-year lens, which is, I would call it midterm, not long-term, but it's not an annual plan. It's not a 10-year plan. It's something that's achievable, but also far out enough in advance to the point where we can make real transformational change rather than incremental change. So we look at long-term planning through a three-year time horizon. Once we determined that time horizon, we needed to figure out like what are the things that we should pay attention to? How do we break down our three-year strategy into more manageable pieces? And we came up with three. The first is segmentation. So which customers should we target? How do we create a great experience for them? Second is country. What markets should we think about pursuing? And how do we make sure we're creating great experience for customers there? And then last is partner. How do we see partner interacting with the HubSpot ecosystem? So step two is kind of what are the, the more manageable pieces that we can break our go-to-market down into? And then within that, we, we ask ourselves two questions. First is where to play, and second is how to win. So the where to play is all about defining your target market. So in the segmentation space, we need to define which customers we're going after good example in HubSpot's world is we're built for scaling companies. We're not building for the Fortune 500. So we can kind of take our target market down a little bit. And we also want to create different experiences for our biggest customers who are paying us you know, a significant amount of money per month and create a much different experience for our smallest customers who are paying us very little a month. They fundamentally need different things. So it's about determining who your target market is and then how you can effectively win in that target market talk to me about the voice of customer. Yeah, the voice of the customer is a team that's existed at HubSpot for two or three years now. It used to sit in customer success and we decided to move it onto my team go-to-market strategy. And the reason we did that is because we think that keeping the customer perspective front and center as we're thinking about making strategic choices for our business is critical. Like we we don't want to make choices without being really grounded in customer perspectives, understanding what customer needs are in different segments, in different countries, in different go-to-market channels. They really kind of keep us honest at HubSpot, and, and they keep us honest in, in that we want to make sure that the customer point of view is always present when we're making big decisions, and that team really effectively helps us do that.
0: One thing to head in mind is to... Have this kind of mental exercise of going through the defining go-to-market strategy for HubSpot, like step by step. And I'm wondering if you could take us back to the time when you guys just start implementing it. Like, what steps did you guys go through? You said first was the segmentation. What goes into it? Who does this research? How do you test it? And etc. That's a great question. We do a lot of of research,
1: and I would say there's There's two buckets of research. One is more qualitative. So the voice of the customer team is on our go-to-market strategy team. So they're a great resource to help us dig into customer problems in different spaces. So with the segmentation example, we needed to figure out how do customers want to be marketed to, sold, and serviced in different segments of our target market? That's one input that we get, the customer input. And I would say that's probably the most important input that we get. My team is also a team of fairly analytical folks, and we dig into things like, what's the size of our target markets in different spaces? So how big is the target market in the one to five employee size space versus the five to a thousand employee size space within segmentation? Second, how is the HubSpot business performing in different segments? Do we have any segments of our target market that have stronger economics, are more efficient to sell to, service to? Are there any segments that are growing faster than others? So there's kind of a a balance of qualitative information that we're getting mostly through customer inputs, but also through sales and service inputs. I love getting inputs from those teams. I used to sit with those teams, and they gave me all kinds of interesting information about what was going on with our customers and how we could do better to to more effectively meet their needs. Um, And then that, that quantitative piece, which is really about market sizing, how big are the opportunities where are we performing well today? And then if possible, a forecast into where we think the opportunity is going. So to the extent possible, we like to look at, we call it moving from hindsight to insight to foresight. So we're trying to drive more, more and more of our business towards having strong foresights.
0: So that's segmentation, right? That's segmentation.
1: Yep. We take a pretty similar approach in country. We talk to customers, understand what's going well, what's not going well. We look at What's the size of markets? Software spend in the next three years, 80% of it is actually projected to come from just 10 countries. So the vast majority of spend in software is actually pretty limited. So looking at market opportunities, and then again, looking at HubSpot's business, how fast are these install bases growing of our customers? What are customers saying about the experience there? We track MPS pretty closely. We look at what's marketing demand look like? What's the sales funnel look like? We look at a whole bunch of metrics.
0: And in terms of partners, you mean you select certain partners to work with? On the the partner strategy? Yeah. That one was a little bit more about how do we think about
1: the role of a partner in HubSpot's ecosystem? And with different companies, you have different expectations on partners. In some partner programs, the expectation is partners are a servicing channel so you acquire customers and those partners are effectively the ones who manage the relationships with customers and show value through a service relationship. Other partner programs are really defined by how much you can resell the software product. And then you have some companies who are kind of a hybrid of those two. That's been a, a long-standing debate with HubSpot. We have an amazing partner community of 6,000 partners. They provide value in a number of different ways at HubSpot. We mostly measure their value as it relates to resell. And we think that there's a way to think about the value of the partner ecosystem a little bit more broadly, not just about reselling HubSpot, but also making our customers really happy. So measuring things like engagement with customers and retention. So that was really about what's the role of a partner how do we see them improving the customer experience and, and where should they fit into like the broader customer life cycle?
0: HubSpot as a company changed quite a bit. I remember back in the day, you were known as a purely marketing focused software, but now it's more of the complete uh, package. Were you part of the team when they were deciding to go this route? I
1: was. So I started HubSpot in 2014 at that time. HubSpot was just a a marketing app. So we had one product. It was a marketing product. It was a great product. It's still one of our strongest products. And at that point, we decided that we wanted to think about what the next chapter of growth looked like at HubSpot. And one of the very natural places that we could move into was CRM because we were holding a bunch of contact data already with our marketing product, which is effectively the foundation to build a CRM. You're collecting customer data, contact data. So we moved into a world where we started thinking about CRM. At the end of 2014, we launched HubSpot CRM, and we actually carved off a small team that worked completely autonomously to build HubSpot CRM, market, sell, service it, and that was its own business unit within HubSpot. That was an amazing move in hindsight because that team could iterate really quickly and invent new things. And we weren't kind of tied to the rest of the core business. So it was really inventing a new business model within HubSpot. And that team was really kind of pioneers in terms of moving HubSpot towards this freemium model, learned a lot about that motion. So we launched the CRM. And at the same time, we launched the freemium product. Those two
0: innovations kind of came together in HubSpot's history. When you look back at the whole transition, what do you think was the most challenging thing? And Were there any people inside of a company thinking that you should stick to marketing because that's what you're known for?
1: I don't think so. I don't think anyone didn't buy in on the vision. I think everyone was sold that every great company starts as one product and they find ways to expand into adjacent areas. I think Mm -hmm. CRM was just a, a very clear adjacent area for HubSpot to move into. I would say the execution was actually significantly harder. I talked a little bit earlier about how we moved from an inside sales model to a freemium model. Our sales reps weren't always thrilled about that, right? Like they were getting lower quality leads in some cases. They also felt like, hey, you're moving to a product-led go-to-market motion. Does that mean you don't need me as a sales rep? The answer was no, but that was kind of the the notion on the sales floor. So it it did take some time to really take hold, that selling multiple products which we didn't really have a muscle around. Our reps were used to selling new customers and there was really nothing else to sell beyond that. So we had to shift from single product to multi-product. We had to shift from a model where our demand was coming from content. You would download content, you would be a lead at HubSpot to free software users. Now a lot of our leads were actually just users signing up for the software, that was a change. Um, And then moving from that inside sales motion to a freemium motion that's supported by inside sales. Those three, I would say, were probably the biggest hurdles to get over. And it took us years to get there. I would say now our freemium model is very dialed in. I think our sales team understands that they're not going away anytime soon, that we need them. They're critical. Uh, But freemium is a great way to get customers to start using software before they engage with sales, which actually makes those conversations richer.
0: That's great. And I hope all the listeners who are thinking to go through the same transition would find this very useful. Mark, thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it. Of
1: course. Thanks for having me.